You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. For everything, for everything indie, for everything cults, it's the Blue Horseshoe now. Here's your host, George Bremer and Ryan Hickey. Colts fans, welcome back into another edition of the Blue Horseshoe Podcast. Ryan Hickey and George Bremer here with you. A hybrid edition of this week's Blue Horseshoe Pod because it's a short week. Colts tech, uh, Colts Broncos, I should say, playing on Thursday night. So it's kind of a little bit still of a recap of Sunday's loss to the, Titan, uh, to the Titans. And also now a preview as well of the Thursday night game against the Broncos. George Stoya, the Odyssey host for Touchdown Denver, the, the Broncos Odyssey podcast will join us here to kind of go behind enemy lines and talk about what is a struggling offense. So us, George, Georgia, George, we'll have a lot familiar here when it comes to Thursday night with two bad football teams offensively, especially getting set to meet on the primetime stage. But before we get to Thursday night, George, let's talk about still kind of what happened on Sunday and a byproduct, I think, of what has just been the quarterback carousel and that has continued since Frank Reich and Chris Ballard really have gotten to town. And really since, you know, Angela came and went um, back in 2019. So I thought Naeem Hines on Monday had a really interesting and kind of telling quote. If you missed it, here it is. This is Naeem Hines on Monday again. He said, quote, not an excuse, but every year we have a new quarterback. So each year we have growing pains while we sit here and watch Tennessee, which has had Tannehill, what, my whole career. And each year we're restarting. We have to turn the page. So that sucks a little bit, too, that most teams we play have an established guy, but that doesn't matter. We have to figure it out, and we will figure it out. A very interesting, very honest quote, George, because it's really what a lot of Colts fans have been thinking the last five years when you have five different starting quarterbacks. And I wonder, this one, two, and one slow start we've seen again, and really it's kind of been the hallmark of the Frank Reich era, teams getting off to slow starts. Can we chalk it up to easily – a new quarterback in there every time, no matter how much training camp they have, no matter all, no matter how much offseason work or how healthy they are, there's going to be a level of a slow start because you're still trying to get used to the new quarterback. Is that fair what Naeem Hines is saying? I think it's part of what's going on. I mean, I think like everything else right now with this team, I don't think there's any one easy answer to, to anything that, that that's going on right now. Uh, but I think that's definitely a factor. Um, it was actually after the game on Sunday, he said it, people were talking about these slow starts and, and, and wanting to know, uh, you know, is, is there any kind of connective tissue there? Is there anything he can put his finger on? And he said, well, you know, there's a new quarterback every year. And so the offense is starting from scratch every year. I think more so than, than even like learning the playbook and, and, and some of the more obvious things, I think one of the biggest factors is just learning the new personnel around you. Like in, in, Matt Ryan's case and Philip Rivers case, they'd been in one spot for so long. They had kind of run things there. People adjusted to them. 
and now all of a sudden they're adjusting to everyone else, which is which is a new situation. But you even saw it a little bit from from Andrew Luck in 2018 coming back from a year off. There were a lot of new pieces that year that he hadn't played with before, and it took him a while. And there's no doubt that that that's playing into the offensive starts, uh, you know, being lackluster. This year's worse. You know, there's no question about it. this year's deeper because of two factors. One is the the pass protection uh, well, the offensive line in general. The running game has been really bad. Uh, and then 15 sacks through through four weeks is just way beyond anything that would be acceptable. And then the fumbles from from Matt Ryan, which are just baffling uh, week after week. You know, he he's obviously focusing on this. It's something that has not been a problem for him like throughout most of his 14 year career. Uh, it's really mind boggling. But that's also putting this offense back because they've only lost three of the nine fumbles, but even the six that they they, they recovered tend to kill drives and take points mm-hmm. off the board. Um, and, and I think that's kind of a symptom of, of, of the overall inefficiency of this offense, whether it's a penalty, whether it's a, a missed assignment, whether it's, you know, a fumble. They're doing something on on more drives than not to to stall that drive without the defense really having to do a lot to stop them. You're 100% right. And, like, there's always a learning curve. And, like, especially Matt Ryan, when you're in Atlanta for 14 years or you're Philip Brewers when you're in, you know, L.A., San Diego for as long as you were, it's an adjustment going to a new scheme, a new system, basically learning a brand-new language. For anyone who's ever taken a second language, it's not easy. For me personally, I'm awful. I have taken Spanish for a very long time in high school and college. Not much has stuck, George. So it's a it's a very hard transition. I understand that. I think Naeem Hines' comments, I both think he's right, and I do have a problem with them, if that makes sense. Let's start at least where I have a problem with them. When it comes to specifically on Sunday, and when it comes to the last few years where the Titans have owned the Colts, I don't think it's fair to, let's say, put a lot of the blame on the rotating quarterback situation the Colts have had and the consistency the Titans have had. We know from the Titans' offense how they run is with Derrick Henry. Now, Ryan Tannehill's played well, and he's made a few throws. But we know that's an offense, and most part, Derrick Henry's killed the Colts. So that's a still a Tennessee offense that, for the most part, they need Derrick Henry to play really well, like he did on Sunday, in order for them to win. And we saw in the second half, when the Colts bottled him up, that Tennessee offense literally got only one first down in the second half. But when it comes to the Colts and when they played the timing-wise of the Titans, I believe the earliest, off the top of my head, they have played Tennessee in every, all of this, I've shuffled around is week three last year. I believe that was the earliest they played Tennessee to start a season. So we're talking about at least two to three games each year that new quarterback has had to get accustomed to the offense, get comfortable, and kind of get things on the same page. I thought even on Sunday, Matt, Matt Ryan's had three games, right, going into week number four. We saw a lot of the miscommunication issues. We saw a lot of even the timing issues disappear. So it's not like it's still, oh, we're trying to get on the same page or they're still trying to learn the playbook or get in the same, you know, learn the terminology, make sure everyone's, you know, miscommunication-wise going forward consistently and, and then being in the correct space. It's literally just, like you said, Matt Ryan fumbling the ball and the uh, Colts off its line not protecting. Like, I don't I don't think if you're Naeem Hines, you can sit here and blame for the most part of the reason why the Titans have dominated the Colts in recent times is one five out of six is a quarterback inconsistency for Indy. Would you agree with that? No, I agree. I think it's the reason that the Titans have won five out of six and four straight at Lucas Oil is they don't beat themselves. I mean, you go into right. these contests almost every year, the Colts lose a turnover battle and and the, and the Titans win the game. Uh, and that's that's why, you know, yeah, there's a lot of sloppy play out there. And, and some of it 
is no doubt the offense learning to play together as a unit because, you know, they've got a new quarterback and, and a lot of new pieces, but some of it's just flat, poor execution. And I think, you know, are they related at times? At other times, in, in, in either way, you know, it really doesn't matter whether it is because of the, the new pieces and in, in, in the gelling process or it's not. It doesn't matter. No one cares in the NFL. No one gives you a break. Nobody feels sorry for you in this league. You got to go out and execute on Sunday. And it, it, you look at Denver, they're having a lot of the same problems in a lot of the same situation. They got a new quarterback coming over from Seattle and Russell Wilson. The offense is struggling. They're trying to get on the same page together. Uh, you know, I, and again, nobody, nobody feels sorry for, for Denver either. So I think you're just in a situation where you've got to get it done. You've got to find a way, especially now that you're into October. And that's where it's, if, if you look back at these other slow starts, it's week five, week six, somewhere in that neighborhood, when mm-hmm. things start to click for, for, for Frank Reich teams, in no better time than now. No better time than that. That is for sure. But you're right. Like also, too, like, I mean, after a while, like you have enough time, at least this year specifically, to where these new, you know, still getting used to new quarterbacks should be put away at this point. You still should be comfortable going to week four. You had a full offseason, you new quarterback to be on the same page and feel comfortable with what you're going to do. And again, like you mentioned, a lot of these, these, I feel like a lot of these games are called to the loss of the Titans specifically have been more about them losing it than the Titans winning it. So that's where at least I had an issue with Naeem Hines' comments after the game when it comes to specifically trying to blame a lot of the losses recently to the Titans on their quarterback consistency and the Colts' lack thereof. But where I think he's right and has a point going forward now, spinning this forward, George, I mean, he's right. Like The Colts cannot be doing this. You cannot be going into every year uh, with a new quarterback or even in the case of Matt Ryan, if things went best-case scenario this year, which obviously they're not, but if they were, it's what a two-year fix. Right, like you're talking about a guy who's who's planning on being here this year and next year. So you're still talking about a very short-term fix where the earliest or the latest 2024, you're looking for another quarterback again. I think this so far, George, this slow start, I think, has to send one message to whether it's Jim Mersey, whether it's Chris Ballard, if he's still here, or the new GM, the new head coach, whatever happens at the end of the year. This has to be the offseason, George. They invest in a quarterback. Not in the fourth round, not in the fifth round like Sam Ellinger as a project, a legitimate first-round talent that they can see either developing into or being right away their franchise starting quarterback from week number one. Yeah, I, I felt that way even before the slow start. I, mean, I, I think this offseason always was sort of the one that you're going to target. Uh, part of that is what they're going to have in, in terms of assets. Um, you know, They really need Carson Wentz to start 13 games there in Washington, which we'll see. There's some buzz out there now that, that, you know, the natives are getting restless and we'll, we'll see if they go with a quarterback change or Please, not. Don't, but don't fetch him. Now I feel like Philly last year. Don't do it Washington. Let him go. Exactly. You know, so, but I mean, you got, you got to pay attention to that, but if you end up with a second round pick from that deal and you've got the extra second rounder, you know, you could make some packages using your first round picks this year and next and, and move up and, and go get somebody probably not in the CJ Stroud or Bryce Young category. Although, to continue to play the way they are right now, that will definitely be a possibility. And might not uh, but, have you know, to make a trade either. And might not have to make a trade <laughs> either. And, and you could keep the assets and, you know, the whole thing. Uh, but, you know, looking more in that that Will Levis kind of level, that that second tier of quarterbacks, um, even from the start of the season, I thought that this is, this is when you've got to go make that move, you know. Uh, and even if they turn things around, I don't think it will change anything in that regard. It, this is the time – 
It's supposed to be a deep quarterback draft. We'll see. I always feel like the draft class always is is more hype this time of year. And then as you get to February and March, they start picking apart prospects and, and they'll say, well, it wasn't as strong as, as we projected. But right now, it feels like it's a, a deep kind of quarterback draft class. Um, and I think the Colts would, would do well to strike this year. You know, it feels like they they're in that the right spot. A lot of times things haven't lined up for them in the last couple of years where they could really take that shot. It, it seemed like really, you know, even this summer, like things are starting to align and the time is now to go out there and, and you know, try to get whoever the, the, the true future of this team is going to be. Roz, we know Chris Ballard, again, let's just, at least right now, assume he's the GM going forward. If the Colts turn around, let's just assume, because that's obviously we know his drafting philosophy and his, his thought. He is very frugal about giving away draft picks. We rarely see him trade first-round picks. I know they did it for Carson Wentz. Well, as a conditional, they did it for DeForest Buckner as well to get him. But Chris Ballard has held on to those picks, and really, especially when it comes to a quarterback, won't force it. And honestly, up until this year, George, I think it's the right move. Like, I do think you can't just say, let's take a quarterback and see what happens. Because I do think that sets you back more than not if you're not sold on the guy or you're reaching for him earlier than he should be drafted. I think that really hurts your franchise more than just kind of helps it. Like, I don't think just kind of blindly taking a shot works. You have to have conviction and fall in love with the guy. So like you mentioned, this is now a deep quarterback draft class on the surface right now. So sitting here in early October, like I said, we're still a lot of prospects are hyped up. But assuming this draft class is as deep come March as we think it is right now in October, like you mentioned, this has to be a situation where do whatever you do, whether the Colts are sitting there, I don't know, 10 or 11, and maybe you trade up to get in the top 10, or maybe they they turn around and they're sitting there in the low 20s and you trade up to the mid-teens. Like you mentioned, you don't have to get a top two or three pick to get a, a transformational quarterback. Look at of the recent history of teams, what they did. You had the Houston Texans when they moved up to get Deshaun Watson. They trade up to, I believe, it was number 12 in that draft to go get Deshaun Watson. And that same draft, the Chiefs traded up from like 27 to 10 to get Patrick Holmes. You don't have to have the number one overall pick or number two overall pick to get that franchise guy. If you identify him, you could still get him in the mid-teens you know, or, or closer to 10 or 11 than you would one or two. So identify the guy you like, but like you mentioned, you have to strike wherever you are in the draft come, come April, whether it's moving from the low teens to the, you know, into the, the, you know, seven, eight, nine range, whether it's in the low twenties going to the teens, you have to make a move. This has to be, like I said, the off season where they finally say, you know what, enough of the band-aids, enough of the one or two year projects or hope Carson Wentz is a hope project. Matt Ryan, I, even though it was a two-year, you know, kind of marriage, we'll say, that was kind of, oh, I hope he can make it for two years. There's no certainty. This has to be the year where you have some certainty now going forward and say, this is going to be our guy going forward. Yeah, but the key to that is you you have to have the guy that you fall in love with. And I think that's been True. part of part of the issue, you know, throughout the year, um, throughout the, the, the previous years, is that they really haven't felt like there was a guy who was in their range who they could really go and target who they thought could be that difference maker. And the problem is when you draft that guy, he better be because now all the pressure's on. Look at Chicago right now with Justin Fields. You know, they go up for him uh, and then they don't make the commitment around him and he's struggling. And now he's in a bad situation due to where he was drafted and the investment they put in him. You've got to really have that conviction. I, it's not a reason not to do it, um, but you've got to have that conviction to do it. You know, if, if you don't, you can't take a flyer 
I guess is what I'm saying on a first round. Agreed. Totally. You got it. You got to believe in that guy, you know, and, and I, I've heard a lot of people saying, well, what about Justin Herbert? I don't get that one. I really don't. You traded your first round pick that year that was 13 for DeForest Buckner. First of all, that wasn't a bad move. That, that's not one that I think Chris Ballard's regretting. But secondly, Herbert went sixth in that draft. He's not like he fell. You're talking about, you know, Patrick Mahomes and, and Deshaun Watson who fell into that 10, 12 area. You know, that was a, a unique situation. And the Texans and the Chiefs were able to take advantage of that. That wasn't the situation with Justin Herbert. He was a sixth overall pick, and we all knew Miami wasn't trading five. So you were going to have to get from 13 into the top four to even have a shot at him. And there's nothing that I've heard, no reporting that that I know of, that suggests that was a possibility for the Colts. So that's why I agree with you. I think where they've been right now, the one guy they probably could have made an attempt at was Justin Fields, the way that draft played out but you know who knows that things would be any better for him here in indy now than they are in chicago so the, the, the justin herbert thing i just i don't know it's, it's baffling to me i don't understand where that's coming from i see it all the time you know they should have gone after justin herbert well they should have gone after trevor lawrence then too it makes as much sense and justin herbert too like let's not pretend to have a revisionist history like oh we knew he was going to be this potential top five quarterback like there was a lot of questions I remember when the charter started I'm like I have no idea what he could be like Oregon he was a guy who kind of regressed like he came back he could have went the year before mm-hmm. came back there was there was a, more questions like you mentioned George than answers and when the Chargers took him at six I don't think that was one of those resounding oh wow they got the best quarterback in the draft or one of the best quarterbacks in the draft in a year that had Joe Burrow and Tua as well going one and five like you mentioned so it's so much easier when teams take a chance and hit it. Like Patrick Holmes. Oh, of course. Why didn't the Colts trade up and get Patrick Holmes or just or Deshaun Watson? It's like, well, it's easy to say that now, five years later, but it's like no one actually knew what Patrick Holmes was going to be. If so, he went first overall. And no one would have, you know, that would have been it. That would have been over. But like you mentioned too, and that's part of the reason why, George, I appreciate the way Chris Ballard has so far attacked and viewed the quarterback position because the Bears point you make is 100% right. The Bears, in order to save their jobs last year with Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy, took Justin Fields. They traded up to make the move as he's falling down the draft board. Well, they gave no offensive line. They had Allen Robinson there for a year. No running game whatsoever. The head coach is on his way out. The, the GM obviously just got fired. Now this year you have Matt Eberflus, as, as we know, they're going to going to Chicago. They lose run, you know, they lose running backs. They lose wide receivers, and now he's sitting there getting killed behind a bad offensive line with no one to throw the ball to. And like you said, there's questions about how good is he? Is he a bust ready so the Bears move on after two years? They haven't given him a chance. That's also part of it, too. Like you mentioned, it's not just taking a flyer and saying, oh, let's just get this guy and see what happens. It's also having conviction in the guy you want, but also, too, giving him a chance to succeed. I know the Colts right now are playing some of their worst football. We've seen them play in a while. This team, though, I do think is in a position where if they get a young quarterback, let's say in the draft next year, I think he'd be put in a position to succeed. Uh, to succeed. Uh, I know he's not playing great this year so far. A lot of reasons for that. We have an all-pro running back in, in Jonathan Taylor. You have a really good wide receiver who's up and coming and is emerging to be, you know, a top 15, top 20 wide receiver, Michael Pittman Jr. The offensive line, it's there's talent there. They're not playing well right now, but there's talent there for at least three of the five positions. Like there is a lot there where if you take a ch- chance, you should hit. And, and I should say the likelihood of success should be higher considering what you have around them on offense right now compared to a situation like I said, if you go to the Bears where there's nothing around you, you're kind of, swimming in the deep end without ever having, you know, been asked to swim before. 
I think the other, you know, the other piece of that is you're going to have to get a long-term left tackle in here yes. uh, as well. You know, the quarterback comes first and you've got to do that. And the very next move is going to have to be to, to shore up that left tackle spot. And it's got to be the same way. It can't be another veteran that, that's coming in for a short term. You've got to go find the left tackle of the future. And I think those are the two most important pieces right now. And as you look at the offense, um, you know, those are, those are part of the reasons they're struggling as much as they are this year, because that, that left tackle spot, Matt Pryor's had good games and bad games. Um, I thought he really struggled on Sunday and it was part of the problem. He hadn't been a, a couple of the, the previous weeks, uh, but you know, he's obviously not the, the 10 year solution here. And right. that's what they need to find. You know, that guy that that's going to be that lockdown, you know, left tackle of the future. Is it Bernard Raymond? You know, it's unusual for it to be a third round pick. So we'll see how that plays out. He's been injured. So they can't really take as, as long a look at him right now as they probably would like to. Um, but I think that's the other spot. And then and, and again, you know, you've got to have the right situation. You've also got to have the right quarterback. You know, hats off to Kansas City and, and Houston for identifying those guys early on, being aggressive and going and getting them. And I think that's something the Colts are trying to do. I'm sure it's something they've been trying to do the last couple of years. It just feels like the odds are better this year that maybe that guy's there just because it is a deeper draft class. Right. And hopefully George, that's the move that they do hit, whether it's at pick one, which they're kind of trending towards right now, or whenever it is sometime in the first round, you hope that they do hit for sure. But we do have a lot of time, a lot of time between now and let's say next April to uh, break down which quarterbacks could fit in and which quarterbacks, maybe the Colts will have their eye on for sure. But we got ourselves a game coming up here, George week, number five set to kick off here. Uh, very shortly, boy, it could be an ugly game, George. It could be a really ugly game considering that right now you have two of the lowest scoring offenses in the NFL. The Colts dead last. The Broncos are 30th in points per game. So points are going to be at a premium for sure. And it doesn't help injury-wise. Both teams are coming and banged up. Jonathan Taylor uh, is going to be a, a game-time decision, and it sounds like Javante Williams for the Broncos we know is already out with a torn ACL. So both teams coming in with running back injuries. It's weird to say, but I'll, I'll ask this question this way. Who do you think has the off uh, has the advantage offensively going into this matchup on Thursday? It's so hard to say right now with both of them banged up. I, I can't say it's the Colts. They're last in the league in scoring, and, and they've continued to to you know be their own worst enemy on that side of the ball. Um, nothing that happened Sunday really makes you feel like that's going to turn around. They they did a better job in pass protection. Still gave up three sacks, so that's obviously still a big problem. Um, I think that the the run game just being completely absent against the Tennessee T defense that really had struggled against the run is a major red flag. Um, and then, you know, we'll see. I, I think they had some success going to a little bit quicker passing game in the fourth quarter. Uh, Matt Ryan seemed to be getting rid of the ball a little bit faster. They, they've got some guys stepping up in that regard. Uh, you know, huge game for Mo Alley-Cox. Mm -hmm. Alec Pierce is starting to really flash. And, and when you do that in back-to-back -back weeks, you're going to get people's attention. I think Jelani Woods and Kylan Granson also had big games. Paris Campbell stepped up and had one of his best, the best game he's had this year, one of the better games that he's had. Uh, so I think there there are some reasons for optimism within the passing game, but the running offense right now is is almost non-existent. So I think if the Colts maybe change up their philosophy a little bit and throw to set up the run, you you'd have a little bit more confidence for them on Sunday. The problem on the Denver side and why I'm hesitant to give them the edge too is their quarterback's dealing with a shoulder injury. And I know Russell Wilson says he's going to play. I believe him 100% he's going to play. But his 
throwing shoulder is injured, and it's hard for me to imagine that's not an issue, uh, especially when your top running back is now out for the season. Uh, and and they've had their own issues with, you know, offensive line struggles and, and inefficiency on offense. So um, I, I don't know who's got the advantage. I, I just know. Yeah, I, I, I know the Amazon. <laughs> Amazon's probably going to be questioning their investment this week. They've had some pretty good start here with their Thursday night football. And they're probably going to be they're, they're the ones that are the, the big losers from this. I know that. Yeah, like you said, it's been they've had some great games so far to kick off their Thursday night slate. They're right. It's not all peaches and cream. That's for sure. This week with this matchup, oh boy. The interesting part for this matchup for the Colts specifically and why, like you mentioned, I just can't give them the advantage right now is because you said it. I think right now this week, the Colts are going to have to pass set up the run. They have to, I say abandon the run, but they're obviously not going to do that. Whether Jonathan Taylor plays or not, I almost think is irrelevant in a way because they have no luck running the ball. And this offensive line has been a big reason for it. That even though Josh Jacobs tore up this Denver defense on Thursday, or on Sunday, excuse me, when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply in their win, we just saw the Colts against the worst rush defense in the NFL and the Titans not get anything going. I think they had 1.8 yards per carry as a team, I think was the number. So it's like, it doesn't matter if they're playing the worst run defense or the second worst run defense, they can run the ball. The issue though, is that if you're going to pass it up the run, which I think they should do, and you mentioned, you're talking about a Denver secondary that's elite. Like I know Justin Simmons, their their safety is on IR, not playing, but Patrick Sertan, man, he's looking really good. He basically takes away half the field. They have some really good corners on the other side as well. And, you know, this is going to be a tough matchup for these Colts receivers. That, Like you mentioned, the last two weeks have stepped up and, and I've gained confidence. And now we're starting to stack good game on top of good game, making some big plays and big moments. It's going to be a really, really tough test for them, especially too when Denver should know the pass is coming. It's coming often because the Colts have zero ability right now to run the ball. Yeah, I mean that's that's the thing. When you make yourself one dimensional like that, you you everything gets more difficult. You know, you, you raise the level of difficulty across the board. I think that's part of what you're seeing on the offense. I think Matt Ryan's trying to do too much. I think that's part of the fumbling issues. People are saying, like, well, he's never done this his whole career. Well, you know, I think he came here with a lot of expectations. He came here with a lot of pressure on his sh shoulders. I think he's trying to do too much on some of these plays. You know, I think at times he'd be better off just throwing the ball out of bounds or just taking a sack, but because so many other things are not going right right now on offense, he's trying to make plays in situations where he probably shouldn't, and it's costing the football team. You know, that's why, to me, it would be so much easier if you could just say this one area needs to be cleaned up. It's so much going wrong right, right now. I still feel like the offensive line is the biggest part of this, that if they could start, you know, opening up some holes in the ground game and they could – protect him to a point where you're not saying three sacks is a good game um that that's going to make the biggest difference clearly but it's it's got to be everyone you know I, I think i think taylor's kind of in the same boat at times i don't know that you know he won't say it because he's a classy guy but i don't know that he trusts what he's seeing in front of him i mean just watching him back there running now he doesn't seem to be hitting the holes as, as quickly as as he did in the past because he's not sure if it's going to be there and so he's he's a little bit more hesitant, and he's it's taking him some time. I think he's missed a couple of chances because of that. 
Uh, but who can blame him? I mean, it, more often than not, it's not there. And I think that's that trust that the running back and the quarterback have to have and the guys up front, it just seems like it's missing right now. That's a really good point, George, because you're right. Like, it, it doesn't seem like Jonathan Taylor is running with confidence. Um, that's a huge problem because, like you said, I mean, he's getting bottled up. He's not getting anything. And you see, especially compared to last year, how it didn't matter how many guys were on the box, he would find a hole or make one guy miss. And then, you know, other guys in the line would get their jobs done and he would be sprung for a 50, 60 yard run. You're not seeing any explosive runs whatsoever. And now it's like, he gets a three or four year game. It's like, all right, like that's that's a great run compared to Jonathan Taylor, which, you know, came into this season averaging 5.3 yards per carry or something absurd. Like he was one of the best in terms of, yards per carry guys in history so far. And now we're saying like, you know, a three yard run is like a productive. It's been like you mentioned, it's been very tough sledding so far for Jonathan Taylor. And your point as well is a frustrating one. But I think you're spot on with this, with this team. This team doesn't suck. We've been talking about it basically the entire year so far through the first month. There's talent there. And I thought Dan Olowski kind of helped bring this point to light. It basically what we've been saying, he tweeted after the chiefs game. I think he said he he counted 36 different plays in that Titans game. Excuse me, I think it's the Chiefs. Titans game on Sunday that the Colts had 10 of the 11 guys doing what they're supposed to do. And there was one guy either out of position, you know, not making the plays been asked to, just failing or whatever, not getting the job done, that blew the play up and either allowed the Titans on offense to make a big play or the Colts on offense not get the ball moving. We're talking about, again, when you're so close when it's consistently one guy, but for the most part, everyone's doing their job. It's infuriating because this is a one-two-and-one team. Their offense is inept right now, but they're also at the same time not that far away from turning it around. And it's maddening because you want to look and say this is not as bad of a team as they truly are. But at the same time, when you watch the game, it's like they're always consistently making one or two plays, like you said, that kill a drive and kill a game. And after a while, it's like it's just a theme that will not go away. It's beyond frustrating and I don't see how even heading to Thursday night like even though from what we see from Denver the Colts should be the better team which is kind of crazy to say in this matchup but I have no confidence they're going to win on Thursday even with how bad Denver's been just because like I said they've always found a way right now outside of Kansas City to lose I think the eight the last 18 to 20 minutes of of the Titans game to me encapsulated everything we're talking about three straight offensive drives where they penetrate Tennessee's 30-yard line in a game you're trailing by seven points, and you don't score on any of them. And it was a different thing each time. They had one fumble they recovered that, that ended up with you know them facing fourth and 15, and they had to punt away the, the possession. They had another fumble on a third and one, third and two, down at like the 24-yard line that they lost in a straight turnover. And then you have a sack on, on the third drive that pushes you back, and you have to try a 51-yard field goal. And it's wide and, and you come up with zero points on three drives inside the opponent's 30 when you're it's a one possession game. And I mean, that those are kind of take away either of those fumbles, take away that third down sack. Who knows? Maybe they go in, they tie the game, they go to overtime. You never know what the result's going to be. That's been the problem with this football team all year, though, is that you go back to the Houston game. Well, if they make the field goal at the end, if the, any of another hundred things happen in that game, you know, it's a different if they don't story. run into the punter. If they Rough don't the run into like, the punter, it's like on the it's end of so third small, but it's like you're right. Like there's a million plays you could point to and say, if that happened, this team could be three and one, or frankly four and zero. Oh. Like it's not uh, crazy to say, but I think that's the NFL, and that's that everybody across the league feeling that way. The, the mm-hmm. margins in the NFL are not. There, there's no you know directional schools in the NFL. There's no bye weeks. There's no easy wins, and 
I think everybody in the NFL feels like everybody with a losing record right now feels like they are 10 plays away from, from having a winning record and, and having a better season. So that's, that's what separates the good teams and the bad teams in the NFL. That's why I think it's frustrating right now with the Colts. You have the talent when you're a young team and you're doing this, or when you're a rebuilding team and you're doing this, it's, it's not happy. No one's excited about it, but it's more understandable. And you're looking mm-hmm. more towards the future. When you come in and this is your window for, you know, to contend and you're doing this, it's extremely frustrating. And I think you feel that throughout the building right now. Absolutely. And that's, yeah, yeah. That, you hit it perfectly, George. I cannot add anything else to that. Speaking of frustrating, boy, it's not just us Colts fans here that are frustrated with what we've seen. Denver Broncos fans, the hype was there. The, the excitement, Russell Wilson coming to town was there. And you talk about frustration. Boy, oh boy, the Broncos fans are feeling it. Kind of get a pulse of what's going on in Denver Nation and talk about why the hell this offense is almost as bad as the Colts offense. George Stoya, who does the Touchdown Denver podcast, Odyssey's Broncos podcast, will join us next. Go behind enemy lines right here on the Blue Horseshoe Pod.